Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. Hello everybody. That's 7 o'clock in the morning. Here on Wednesday the 21st of February 2024 on the Asian Seaboard of Australia. And I wanted to do a bit of a meta-analysis ramble. Um, to look at... It comes from the, the um, screencast I just put out. Which I thought was really interesting. Looking at the parallel... Uh, performative events that, that were put forward to comparison of the you know, freedom of, for nations uh, in Moscow, Moskva, and a complete pantomime in, uh, in Munich with the, uh, the parallel job in, in Vilnius <laughs> about to come out. It's, it's interesting... It, and I really do think that that comment made by the Defence Minister from Tanzania just really cuts to the heart of the whole thing. I've just read a little piece by Caitlin Johnston uh, entitled, what was it again? Um, here we go. You only need to cage a bird if it knows that it can fly. In which she you know, mentions the dystopias which we have in English literature, 1984 and Brave New World and so forth, and says, you know, hey, <laughs> look around you. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a great article, and, and good on her, in which she's encouraging you know, people uh, like myself um, and others who are out there publishing or, or just talking to your friends, you know, like, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> it's pretty nasty. We're all trapped in a pretty <laughs> subtle... Um, um, manipulative machine that's run by the media, um, but there are these other these other realities, and I think the lady from Tanzania's comments is fantastic. So she's a defence minister, and what she's when given this question about you know the global crisis or whatever that is all framed by the Navalny you know Russia versus the world idiocy. They're going on about at the Munich Security Conference, and she puts, just reframes the question. She says, "Well, you know, in Tanzania, we have another, we have other issues that we're also trying to consider, and then, which basically amounts to food, water, shelter, education, you know, fundamental things." And so it's very gently that she does this, but it is a serious slap in the face uh, to the framing of the question, and in fact. It's the the Singaporean defence minister who actually does the same in a gentler way just before she enters the discussion where he points out the, the one-sided framing of the question that's been asked of him. So that, to sort of roll all of this together, I'm looking at what's going on of the multipolar world is the framing that's being used. And I look at look upon it as uh, another opportunity for what was the non-aligned movement. So you have to do a bit of history rewind. So uh, there's a statement by Roosevelt during the Second World War where he basically says to the European colonial powers, Britain and France, uh towards the end of the Second World War, that you guys are going to have to give up your empires, you know, because that's what we believe in, uh, us Americans. We, you know, everyone should you know, have a chance and, and stop this, you know, this empire building that you've been doing. Uh, and I'm not trying to suggest that uh, 
he was being disingenuous in saying this. I think that was quite very much what he did believe in. It just that what happened, of course, is that a security, a, a um, you know, a security vacuum, if you like, an imperial vacuum, is created, and the U.S. goes ahead and builds its neo-colonial version on top of it, the ashes of the others. But what happens through the period of the fifties and sixties uh, is that the and the late forties is that a whole series of nations are, are released from the yoke that that was over them, and they get crushed in this uh, Cold War divide, ideological divide, which is all about the repression of, this is again the US, it's its fundamental core thing, the repression of particularly socialist uh, political uh, leadership. And this happens throughout Africa and Southeast Asia, everywhere. And so it's a very interesting period of history. And so what I'm looking at now, when I look at the SCO and BRICS uh, leading uh, the way out of the uh, control mechanisms, which uh, Lavrov phrases beautifully in his speech to the Freedom of Nations Forum, as he call it, he says, uh, financial, economic, political and cultural hegemony, essentially, is what he's saying. So there's a way, there's a way out, and, and primarily the way out is financial economic. That is the way out, because that's the way and that's what's happened with China, and it's the and it's really funny because the 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 West gives up its manufacturing dominance through China. It says, right, all the labour is too expensive here. We're going to shift our production. This happens in the nineties, off to the uh, Southeast Asia. Here you go, you guys do all the production, and we'll somehow wander through, waddle through this. And what emerges is, um. This is coming, <laughs> so I'm foreshadowing a new article. I put out the piece by Varoufakis, which is a uh, commentary on power, but there's an earlier one that, that the interviewer mentions before, and I've listened to that, and it's very good, and he speaks about uh, his version of what I tend to refer to as technocracy, and he calls it techno-feudalism, and I think it's a good analysis, so we'll get to that. So what happens is that the West evolves into this techno-feudalism, you know, it's constant innovation thing. It's just a change in the, in the, in the power structure. Uh, whereas the manufacturing gets shifted out to China. So all of a sudden it's got the economic power which is derived from that. And I think that that's a lasting economic power. I think the techno-feudalism that Varoufakis describes is actually going to be transitory. We'll see, you know. He's, a, he's an academic economist and knows more about these things than I do. So I just, I just study history and so forth. Anyway, um, so yeah, there's all of this dynamic going on and I see it beautifully um, captured in that little uh, screen pass piece I did where you've got uh, Pelosi spouting insanity and projection <laughs> on the one hand and you've got this lovely lady Defence Minister from Tanzania saying, yes, yes, just defence is about being able to feed the people, <laughs> except in a native African accent instead of some crap British put on like mine. And I did add to the um, screencast uh, thing uh, a reference to an article, a follow-up article, which Dr. O put out, laying out the other points for his case that the Brits did it <laughs> in terms of uh, the assassination of... So Navalny either dies in custody due to natural causes, 
uh, or someone killed him. He was murdered. And the question is, if he was murdered, who did it? <laughs> and the case that uh, Dr. R puts is, I think, pretty good. It's certainly not unreasonable. It's a you know, valid case. And, you know, the only way that um, it will be found out is if the Russians investigate. And I expect that they will, because I don't see any reason why, they, why this would have been done by the Russians. The guy was in prison in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> not causing anyone any trouble. And he was guilty of the crimes he was charged with. And, you know, see you later. Why the hell would they kill him? So, therefore, it's... <laughs> Either natural causes or someone else did it. <laughs> and who's someone else? Who knows? <laughs> but that's, you know, it's a reason. It's a plausible accusation. Let's put it that way. Anyway. And so from there, if, if one really wants to extend the craziness picture out of it, here we've got day X, right? <laughs> the Assange thing, the last opportunity for his legal team to represent him in front of the British courts to nix <laughs> the, the extradition. And in the video, which is published by Consortium News, which I'm sure is Kathy Vogan, who's putting it together. You can actually hear her if you, if you know her voice um, uh, yeah, during the recording. Uh, there, a whole lot of lovely points are made. But the thing I like very much was at the beginning, um, Hedges remembers John Pilger. Uh, and sort of feels as though he's there, and, and he's, he mentions that he's bought a uh, a white linen suit <laughs> for some god. No, no I, I think did he mention his wife's with him? Who's an actress, by the way. Anyway, um, you know why the hell would you do that? <laughs> well, I don't do for the moment. Um, but yeah, the, and the thing is that this, I think it was um, Robinson, uh, his lawyer, uh, Assange's lawyer who, Jennifer, um, who, who comments on the length of this whole thing, how many people we've lost, how many people have died during... It's been 15 years. Oh, Jesus, this trial has been going on for almost a third of my life, for crying out loud. The next step, well, Assange has been incarcerated. Uh, you know, well, the whole persecution, because it begins, as I put in the, in the article, um, it begins with this beat-up campaign about, you know, rapist. Which is completely fabricated. Uh, yeah, and this is back in 2010. <laughs> God. Um, so yeah, how many people have um, passed away in the in the period? So we've got Pilger, of course. We've got um, uh, Robert Parry, who's the journalist who started Consortium News. Um, we've got the senator uh, from Alaska, whose name escapes me. Um, We've got Daniel Ellsberg, um, a whole bunch of um, Michael Ratner, who's mentioned uh, in the discussion, uh, who was a, a human rights lawyer, a US American human rights lawyer, who, as a point that um, Jennifer Robinson makes, was the value of um, Pilger early on in that he was able to... He had a, a degree of notoriety within the British um, population that he was able to encourage uh, public engagement and uh, donations to, to support the legal work. But one of the most compelling and interesting comments is actually, of course, from um, Stella Assange. And that is that the engagement 
in the legal battle actually validates it. And so it's a, it's a sort of trap in itself. In the, the point she makes out is that because it's an extradition case, they don't get to argue the legal merits of the, of the, of the case, that, um, the uh, allegations that are being made by the US. They can't argue on the merits of these in the British courts. It's purely about extradition. So it's a, it's a terrible trap, in a sense. And I, I encourage you to listen to that video because the people you've got there, Kristen Huffinson, the uh, editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks, Jennifer Robinson, Stella Assange, and Chris Hedges, a pretty good collection of people to discuss the case. They all know it backwards um, and understand its context. Particularly, I mean, I would say... Huffington and uh, Hedges from from the perspective of journalism, but very much um, Stella Assange and Robinson from the perspective of law and defending um, uh, journalism and, and freedom of the press and so forth. So I, they didn't get that far. I'm only about halfway through, whatever. So there's all of these sort of meta levels going on uh, through the... Um, events that are currently unfolding. And the other one is back to the worst start of the screencast thing. Look at the topic that the Freedom of Nations Forum is addressing, right? Neocolonialism. Well, what have you got happening right now? The conflict in the Middle East is the latest neocolonial project, which was set up by the white <laughs> colonialists. Right, as a way of getting rid of their, their guilt out of the persecution of the Jewry. And also just to get rid of the Jews, to be honest. I mean, let's be, let's be straight up here. Get rid of them. They're, they're painful. <laughs> you know, bankers and all this stuff. You know, the... So that, they'll just foist it off onto the Middle East and, you know, somehow we'll work it out and, da, 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 and fuck the Palestinians, you know, which is just pure racism, really. If you, when you really drill down to the bottom of these things, there's an awful lot of racism um, so yeah, and that's blowing up. So they're discussing neo-colonialism whilst um, there's about to be a massive conflict in the Middle East, which is from colonialism. <laughs> Can you, all right, anyway, I think I'll just leave it there. So there are all of these sort of meta things going on. If you if you if one takes a pause, you know, and, and stands back a bit and looks at it with sort of blurred eyes from a distance and go, oh, really? Anyway, um, I hope you have a good one, wherever you are. Bye for now. Until next time. Mm-hmm.